Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, bots and cons to Tech Talk, the officially unofficial Transformers TCG podcast. And despite everyone's best efforts, you can't get rid of us just yet. I know we kind of missed a week, sort of, last week, but uh, as you can see from our topic list, if you are either watching us live or if you're catching this on YouTube later, we did have some recent exciting things that we're going to dive into in a second, but uh, there's a couple... I guess boilerplate things we just wanted to cover off the bat, right, Scott? Yeah. So uh, one of the things is just there's the week now weekly rules update, which you haven't if you have not had the chance to look at it. This most recent one really was primarily focused around combiners. There isn't anything really jumping out to me. Was there anything that you saw, Scott, or can we kind of just move on from this one? No, it was pretty much all about what, what do combiners keep when you combine. There right. was, was like, I think, everything, if not, it was almost every question in there. Exactly, and that's kind of what I expected, because we're going to need that sort of FAQ thing anyway. There's going to be a lot of questions, given the combiners are a central component of this set, so we'll see how it goes moving forward. But uh, beyond that, what I was alluding to just a moment ago is the reason we didn't have a live episode last week is because Scott and I actually got the chance to sit down with Drew and John over on the official Wizards of the Coast team for the Transformers TCG. So you can check that out actually over on Vector Sigma's brand new YouTube page. So Scott, you want to, I guess, tell everybody about that one a little bit? The page of the interview. Either one, <laughs> whichever you want to yeah. tackle. Yeah. So we have a, first of all, YouTube page has been up, I guess, a couple weeks now. Um, and uh, we mostly covered uh, a local event, which I think we're going to talk about in a bit. Um, but we can just talk about it now. We had a we had an event on, I think it was now the 16th of January. Seems yep. like a long time ago. Yeah, it feels like a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it really wasn't, um, especially watching the videos back again. Um, it was still a Wave 1 event, obviously. Uh, it was at Showcase Comics in Swarthmore, Pennsylvania, so just outside of Philadelphia or part of Philadelphia, I'm not even sure. Um and we had like 20 to 22 players i want to say yeah we, we had a pretty good sizable crowd we recorded a game a match and then we basically were um showing off a deck i ran and then pretty much ran that through the tournament um to show like kind of like the beginning the middle and the end so we wanted to kind of give a full on tournament experience with a deck um to show you it in like in the wild i guess you could say instead right. of just like randomly playing at kitchen tables and things like that like playing games that quote mattered right um so we've done a bunch of different stuff with the games um we did commentary on a top four match so like you don't hear the background noise you just hear uh dan arnold and i commenting on mistakes that were made or plays that were made during the match so people seem to like that format um in the finals with Mark and I, we kind of just let the audio go because we were talking pretty much the whole time about like what our plays were and it was pretty laid back. So um, we felt the audio there was good. And then of course we have a pre and post interview about the deck. Yep. Um, I don't think every, I don't think every time we go to an event like this, it's going to involve decks I'm playing, but um, it, we just did that for the first time to try to give you a full run of everything that was going on. So we, it's not just, like here's some games go watch them like we try to basically explain the plays or explain the deck as best as possible so we're trying to like give the viewers more than just like 
gameplay stuff that you, they'd have to know and understand everything involved to really comment on it. So we're trying to help out people as best as possible, understand the mind of the, the more of a how to on not just a deck breakdown, but exactly, maybe not exactly play for play, but more in depth on what the actual plays or lines would be with a given build. Would you say that's a better descriptor? Yeah, definitely. I mean, like it's, yeah, I mean, especially on the deck text themselves. Um, like if you disagree with why certain cards were in the, the list, we're trying to give you at least like three or four matches to actually see how those cards performed. So like you can make your own conclusions from there or and at the end, we like, we can see if it worked out that way. So it's like, you know, there's right. like a thesis and then the, then the action and then the conclusion at the end. And we can go from there. And obviously this will be more important as we get new sets and of course. more of the testing goes on. I mean, obviously, um, I mean, I played a new deck, so hopefully people will get something out of that. Um, seeing this event. Yeah. We don't want to so spoil too much. It was definitely a very unique build. So I uh, definitely check those out over on the, the vector Sigma YouTube channel, because they were definitely some very interesting games. And even if, I've mentioned on previous shows that there's always something to be learned, even if you think you know everything, including, and Scott, you've mentioned this offline, that re-watching some of those games, and even in the the post-tournament interview, you recognize things that even five minutes before you'd said, oh, well, I should have done this differently. Yeah, I mean, I, I still stand by my statement that this game is heavily, heavily weighted on play skill. Right. And I've noticed myself making a lot of mistakes during this event just like flipping at the wrong times, getting the wrong cards back um, out of my scrap pile with Optimus Prime Battlefield Legend. Like just, just decisions like when to attack, who to attack. There are certain little decisions that even I've noticed myself uh, making mistakes on. So like hopefully you can get something out of that considering I, I have a lot of tournament experience and I can still catch myself making mistakes. So right. Yeah, there's definitely a lot other, to be learned. And then the other major piece of content we had is that, like you said, we interviewed Drew last week. Uh, so you can see that on our page. And I, I really feel like, well, I hope that anyone that's listening to this, listen to that. Um, right. But I really, I really feel like people really should check that out. Um, because there was just a lot of implications about what the future is going to hold for the game. And I think it's a very positive direction. I think that absolutely, I, I think overall, this was the most, I, I mean, for lack of a, the, the official term would be like the hobby this is the most hobby friendly, hobby audience friendly I've heard them, you know, Drew be since we since the beginning of the game. Like basically looking for players that we interact with the most, and how slanting his opinions more towards us than he has in the past. Right. Um, now, to be fair, we did try and audience. pry as much as we could out of him on that direction. So I think we we did try and gear the conversation in that fashion. But I absolutely agree with you that they've. Both John and Drew were very forthcoming and very willing and definitely supported and showed interest in, I guess, the demographic that you and I would represent. Yeah, like I would say that our first interview with them was more normal, I guess. Like, like, it, like it didn't sound like there were answers that were that much different than he would give any any audience. But I felt like if you were, if you were to listen to his podcast he did when Wave 2 was first announced with TFW crowd right. versus us, I think it's significantly different, the information that was given. Oh, um, yes, yeah, so for sure. 
there are a lot of interesting tidbits that, again, you can check that out either on SoundCloud or you could check that out over on the YouTube page and hear us talk Drew and uh, John's ears off, but also them, like Scott said, giving us some very unique information that, to my knowledge, a lot of the things that we had spoken about had not come up even as an inkling anywhere else. So it was really exciting to, you know, hear that for the first time. Yeah, totally agree. And said if you haven't listened to it yet, I recommend you go check that out. Absolutely. We may end up dropping some of the knowledge that was in there here later on, depending on how some of the stuff goes, but we won't uh don't want to spoil too much. So yep. moving on from there, we did also hear that PAX East, which is coming up pretty soon, is going to have official events. Now, from what I saw, they seem to be very similar to the most recent past PAX event. Uh, it, was that the case, Scott? Is that something that excites you, that you're happy that they're going that direction? Do you, does it bother you, or how do you feel about that? No, no. I thought that, like, with, I mean, it's the exact mirror image that I can tell of PAX South, and I was right. happy with the PAX South Um uh, schedule. Um, I mean, the only negative I will say about any of it is just how much money and difficult it is to get tickets for packs in general. Well, that's um, not a, uh, yeah, I can, I can definitely <laughs> agree, but that's, you know, it's the way it is. <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> right. Right. Um, I mean, I think for any serious player, like I've kind of run the numbers and like, it's definitely quote worth it. Um, I think it's cool that there's like, I think it starts at, I want to say one, yeah, so like there's events at one, three, five, and seven that you can play in. A um, lot. There's th- three rounds, one game, like in and out type of thing constructed, and the one at seven is like a two pack or whatever they call it, turbo event. Turbo, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I see no reason you can't finish the whole thing in two hours. Obviously, since they're half hour matches, right? Um, but I mean, the prizes are good. It's basically like the winner gets a box every single time, and I. It's technically like if there's enough people, you can have multiple three O's. So, I mean, it seems worth it to me. It seems fun to me. Um, You know, it's fine with me. I mean, would I rather have like one larger event? Like probably, but this is fine with me. I mean, you know. Yeah, especially given the nature of these particular conventions, I think it's good to have those rapid fire jump in, jump out sort of structure. Uh, Yeah. There's a lot of advantages to that. Get more people involved. As we saw from PAX Unplugged, virtually every event brought in new faces, aside from the few stalwarts and stand old standbys that were there for every event. There were new people come in and said, oh, well, I picked up the game today, and I think that is the advantage, and obviously they're gearing it towards that. But the fact that you do have, we'll call it weighted enough prizes that, like you said, makes it worth it if you are a competitive player to say, you know what, I am going to make that trip. I am going to put in the effort to get all the way up to PAX East. So it's pretty cool that they're going to be revisiting that, have a recurring thing at these sort of conventions. Yeah, I agree. So moving from there, more tournament talk. There's actually one coming up locally. And as I'll do my same spiel that we always do, talk to your local stores, talk to your local communities. If they're not running something already, it's entirely possible that they're willing to. So definitely open up your mouth. But Scott, I guess you can probably speak to this one a little bit better, but it's what, next week, actually? Yeah, so uh, this upcoming Saturday at Top Deck Games um, in I, outside of Cherry Hill, I, don't, I forget what the actual town might be called, Right, um, is running another case of it. Uh, so the winner gets four boxes. Uh, I don't know if it's a sealed case, but it'll be four boxes oh, right, um, right. of... 
of wave one. So I think it's kind of like um, we're, we're covering it as the end of wave one. I guess you could say like the conclusion the, of wave the one. The send off party. <laughs> yeah. So of the wave one meta before wave two is uh, comes out on March 1st. So um, it's pretty exciting. I mean, ho- hopefully um, enough people will, I guess, still be interested enough, I guess, in playing with the old cards to, to still come out and still want to do well. Right. Um, so we can use it as a precursor to what we can expect uh, from the future. So I'm hoping right. that any players that in in the area, and, and to be honest with you, I mean, like, I feel like you know, if you're if you feel like your local area needs to improve and you're within like you know a two hour driving distance, I think you should try to make the effort to come out to it. Honestly, but absolutely, you know, it, it's important me. to. Because it's one of those give and take things where going to another event and even, you know, even if it's for selfish reasons, because you want to play, if you want to call that a selfish reason or to make new friends, which doesn't, isn't, it doesn't sound selfish, but I guess if you categorize it that way, as silly as it may sound, those people then would be inclined to then show up at your event. And it's kind of rising tide raises all ships sort of scenario. So if you're able to, it's within your means it's always the more the merrier, basically, is what it boils down to. And like yeah, you're saying, you're, think, oh god, I think you're, I think you're right about like players here would then be more willing to go there, etc. So I think that's definitely yeah. a good point. Plus, it's also a. I'll be honest. When we first met each other, Scott, it was my wife and I was like, oh, I wonder if Landis is going to be there. Well, you know what? This time he's the he's the final boss kind of thing. There's something to be said about oh well, I know those guys. I want to get there, and it's like friendly rivalry stuff. So those sort of things evolve from going yep. out and getting out of your shell. Yep. So uh, moving from there, the next thing on our list was the tournament recap, but that's really what we had talked about earlier, which is on the Vector Sigma YouTube page. Which So you can check out Scott's super secret tech if you want to try and uh, maybe silver bullet him before this case tournament. <laughs> uh, sure. I don't know if you're going to be playing the same thing. but um, like Likely, yeah. Okay. You heard it here first, folks, so there, there's your homework for the weekend. Um, <laughs> go and check that out. So uh, any other final thoughts before we get into what everybody's excited about with the new card, Scott? No, we have so much to go over. So Yes, we, we do. Because of our interview. So. Oh, yeah. So we're going to drop the topic list off, and we're going to bring up the actions. Uh, so there should be a list on the right-hand side of the screen. And we're going to try and stick to that list as much as I humanly can. Um, it looks like, there we go. As I was trying to set up the overlay, I must have dropped things a little bit out of sequence. The first one up is Bravery. So this was debuted by the official Wizards of the Coast account. Uh, and this is a u- blue, u- blue pip utility that gives the upgraded character Brave, which is one of the new keywords where it forces your opponent to attack that guy. I'm pretty excited about this, and not just because it's, hey, it's a new toy, it's a new keyword, but this keyword really messes with your opponent in a number of different ways. Are you high on this, Scott, or do you think that this is something that's going to fall by the wayside? Yeah, I like these cards a lot. Um, I, I think it's I think it's probably going to see play, and like, it's not, I don't think the, I don't think this is like a 3-0 or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, simply because, unless you're playing like, you know, five wide or something like that, like a combiner team, simply because uh, I tend to play three of cards where I know I can actually play more than one in a match, and I just don't know that there's going to be enough characters on your side that are you're actually going to want to have to be the targets. 
Well, um, do you as, not see it that? Uh, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. Do you not see no, no, it no. as something? Because the first thing that came to mind with this, and it was actually, I think, brought up almost as a joke and uh, offline, was lining it up with heroism or some of the other similar effects. And we'll see the one for stealth later. But basically, it's a, I have one important guy. I don't care who stands in front. Make someone else get in front so that important guy just gets there every turn or as many turns as possible. So do you? would you say that it's not worth running three just to ensure you see the bravery? Um, I just don't know. I wouldn't, I don't know that you're ever going to need more than one in play at a time. Well, that That's I can agree own. with, but sure. given, so for me, it's more, and it could, I mean, you know, hot takes, first impressions kind of thing. <laughs> I would think I need to, this sort of effect, you want it early and you want it, you have to make sure you see it because otherwise then it kind of defeats the whole purpose. If you're protecting a single guy, maybe that strategy as a whole is going to falter anyway. So it'll be a moot point, but I mean, I haven't seen a guy that, like, has extremely low attack and, like, four or five defense or something like that that, that could survive, like, that you right. would want to put it as a shield in front of people. So, like, that's my my big issue. That, or that's playable, I should say, like, right. Demolisher. Well, yes. I have high, <laughs> I, high defenses, but... I knew what you meant. <laughs> um, low, low, low hit points. So, I mean, I think... But the problem is you really can't play this until you're attacking with your second guy. Because if you put it on the guy that you're attacking with first, he has to be the target anyway. Right. So you're really only you're only only getting use out of it on the second time that you attack with a guy, which means you have time to get it, um, and which means you have your action phase and at least one well, you have at least one action f- card phase and at least one upgrade card phase to actually play it. So like, right. I feel like there's going to be enough time to get it if you want it. That's so fair. that's I why see I that. see not being a three of, but like if again if you. I think it's going to be more difficult, though, to build a deck that has a guy that you want attacked all the time versus, I'm sure it's the next card we're going to talk about, but versus the stealth giving card, which I think is probably more valuable because you're always going to have a a guy you want to keep alive as opposed to a guy that you want to take the hits. Right. Yeah, making making your opponent focus their attacks while important is definitely, like you said, they're you probably have targets you'd prefer, but it's not necessarily, oh yeah, definitely this guy all the time, especially at this stage with the characters we've seen. So I could certainly get behind that. Do you see a lot of Jetfire in this card's future, or a lot of bravery in Jetfire's future? Yeah, because he can continuously get back. Um, I would probably just continuously get back like Force Field every every other turn, so that's where right. I could see it seeing a lot of play. Makes yeah. sense. I, I'm very excited to try this out at the very least. Um, I'm not, you're selling me on the idea that maybe it's not going to be as ubiquitous as maybe I, I mean, I didn't think it was going to be in literally every deck and everywhere, but I, until we see the full set, I'm not sure exactly who those fall guys are going to be, essentially, that are going to play meat shit. It has the right color pit for those kind of decks, though, so I'll Absolutely. give it that. Yeah, that was one of the other things. If this was orange or, or null for whatever bizarre reason, I would obviously not be nearly as excited. Um, yeah, it, I'm surprised I'm surprised both of these have color pips, to be honest with you, because they seem pretty yeah. powerful. So. Yeah, or that they didn't do what the... If this was a Wave 1 card, I feel like this would have had orange and the other one would have had blue. Yeah, probably. Because that, that feels like what they were doing then, but it, it definitely does fit better the way it is this way yeah um any other thoughts before we move on to bumpers no uh, do i do have any <laughs> so remember the golden rule 
Um, if you don't have anything nice to say, uh, I'll, I'm just going to say I'm not a big fan of this card. Uh, what about you, Scott? <laughs> yeah, it's a slightly better armor plating. So, well, actually, it not. I don't even know if that's is true. Is it, though? <laughs> it, can, it, it can only go in car mode. I, I don't know. I feel like this is some kind of silver bullet for something later, and I don't... Like, they only stop slipstream. I, right now, I, I don't get it. So, so well, they do... Um, yeah, because it is specifically move. It's not even non-combat damage, so you can still burn them. Yeah, I don't get it. Uh, neither do stop I. bombing run and stop slipstream, I guess. I, I don't get it. Yeah, I'm... I mean, there are some dedicated anti-tribal cards, which we'll get to later, um, and we've seen in other instances as well in previous shows, but yeah, I don't think there's much else to be said about this one. Um, what about Electrified Spike? So this is the Dinobot-only upgrade. It's an armor. It's not unlike Aerial Recon or Advanced Recon, whatever the Wave 1 card is that's for planes, where it's an armor, gives you plus one armor, but it's an orange pip. You no, Aero Recon was a, was, was a utility. That's that's the key. Right. This one actually chews up your armor slot, unfortunately. But for Dinobots, that's okay, because you probably want to be dumping out Jaws of Steel. So do, do you like this thing? I know you you love direct damage, so this is an easy way to get free damage, essentially. Um, I liked it at first, but I've been convinced by other people that like it probably just doesn't fit in the deck. Um, I mean, I like the fact that it has the right color pip, and I like the fact that you can do damage in both modes. Mm -hmm. um, I just... Like, how many times does this have to activate before it's worth the slot? Um, right. I mean, it's it still has one armor, so it's going to save you one damage. So if, if you're saving... If it's making it, it now three shots something, I can see it. Because a lot I just of the... I don't know how that's possible. Well, and, yes, and exactly. I don't allow you to get the two armors that you need to flip it. That's the problem. Right. I... I do appreciate the free damage. Obviously, Dinobots do want to typically be orange heavy. Like that, I the blue versions or bluer versions have worked, but it feels like it's kind of fighting itself in order to make it work. This wants to play towards the original game plan of just go bolt nine thousand and then pummel your opponent with Grimlock or whoever. But yeah, it. it I'm very curious what people would cut from a given Dinobot list right now that this is taking the place of that you're that much excited, more excited about having this than whatever the other thing was. The problem in an orange deck is that basically, like, your, um, your effective health is just your armor plus hit points in any one given turn. Right. Like, you, especially in the, in the mid to late game, like, when they're upgrading their characters and, like, you know, using like an action and an, and an upgrade to get higher attack so like you're not going up one armor even if you go to like three in most cases for the these dinobots or even like you know four in the case of the the new the new slag or anything like that yep um it's probably just not going to change the combat math in an orange deck that you're going to want to actually flip the two orange in so like you're just basically saying i'm getting one hit point quote unquote maybe two and then maybe doing, and then it's it's dependent on whether or not you're even going to get two activations of this off, right? Um, so that's like the main problem, like that I can see with it. Uh, I, I just it, it's not bad by any stretch of the imagination. I just don't know if it's going to make the forty because, like, obviously interacting with your opponent on their turn is a unique. Oh yeah, effect, so. absolutely. Um, I just don't know if the I deck wants 
zaps four through six because that's probably what it would amount to yeah that that's how i see it too like if, if you're not going to change the combat math and gain you an extra attack mm-hmm. on you then like it's just a zap so absolutely it has a worse condition for activating. You're going to feel real bad when you don't get the activation. <laughs> yeah, when you so. flip double Dino Chomp or something, it's... <laughs> yeah. You're just so, going to... Yeah. It's probably just not good enough. Now, what about... Unless we okay. deal, unless we have defensive plan cards again, which I will say multiple times throughout this. Right. So, it looks like my sequence on the overlay got a little messed up, but our next one is actually Field Repair, which was previewed a while ago and then got re previewed i guess with another batch of cards that we'll we'll get to later on this is another one where it it rewards rather than tribes it rewards faction in this case autobots and we have seen this on what i'll call much more enticing cards (laughs) previously this one repairing a single damage is just to me not all that thrilling are you excited to try and add another uh emergency system (laughs) to your deck no, this card is not playable. Yeah, I I don't have a whole lot else to to put on it. Unfortunately, it, for no, anybody out there that's fan of healing decks, sorry. <laughs> um, something that is a little bit more exciting though is mining pick, which I know you had just recently finished up reading All Hail Megatron, and I think also the Megatron Origin. So, did the artwork at least get you excited about this one? If not the card, yeah, the art the artwork was good. Um. I was honestly a little disappointed in the origin comic comparatively, but yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, that's I, a... like, I mean, all Megatron was way better, but yeah. Mm. Well, that's a discussion for a different day. We have a lot of cards to <laughs> <Yeah>. get through. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the mining pick itself, I so I think a lot of people, myself definitely included, the first time I saw this, like, oh my god, I'm doing a billion damage the turn I play it because I'll just. But then your follow up thought is, okay, well now I have no hand. If you do this, the net plan two or the whole plan two but the thing is is that this can still there are ways to dance around and still provide additional damage after the fact or you know you don't have to put two cards on top if you want to spread the damage a little bit or you know you want to play those cards so do you anticipate you're going to see this in a lot of decks scott yeah because if you just think about it logically like Mm. so i mean besides the obvious like incoming transmission always nets you extra cards and would gain you plus one attack mm-hmm. and would be outside the, the the plan activation of the card there's that um we we haven't seen that many plan cards yet but we have seen enough to where you will probably want to use the plan ability again um on those cards so like again like it's kind of just an extra oh by the way i get a plus one attack like and yep. i'm putting my best combat card on top, even if I'm, I mean, you would probably then want to be attacking with the guy, but you know, so like the fact that it has plan built into it, it just makes it an enabler for its own ability. But there are plenty of other cards that you can play that would just mirror that or, or help that anyway. But right. Right. The, it, what you need to understand is by pu- like, especially, um, improvised shield, but mm-hmm. likely peace through tyranny as well. Um, putting that on top, in all likelihood in a, in a mostly orange deck is going to net you plus one damage as it is, because mm-hmm. I, I know the math might say that like, you're going to flip an average of more than one in an, in an orange deck, but like obviously getting the plus two guaranteed on top is going to be better than, than not. So yeah. I look at it like you're netting 
in any orange deck, I'm always trying, whenever I'm trying to figure out the math, I'm always just saying every card I flip is going to be one. Right. So I'm definitely going up one, and then I'm getting plus one on the pick. So like, just by putting a single orange on top, not the dream of double orange, but like two double oranges. So by putting one single orange on top, the way I see it is I'm I'm right at that plus three mark that like most weapons that have plus three attack have some negative to them. This really has no negative to it. Right. So And that's something and about an orange to oh, begin with, so there's something about and I I'm still working through this mentally and I've been trying to put pen to paper for it, so I, I don't want to digress too far with it because it's it's mostly I wouldn't even call it a half thought, but the the card ability economy on here so you say, you look at something like Primary Laser where it's plus two attack, but I guess you could sort of call it a negative because it has a blue pip. For an offensive deck, this is four positive things. It's an orange pip. It gives you plus one attack. It has plan two to set up your turns. Oh, and it also buffs your guy. So it would, whereas Grenade Launcher would, in this half-cocked theory that I have, is a plus five. This is a plus four. Potentially a plus five if you plan two kind of thing. Um, again, it, it's still like half-formed thoughts for me, but it feels like there's too many good things about this card for it to not be good kind of thing. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's not a... It's not a, it's, it's going to be tough to have sustained damage with it just because you have to be planning, which is a is a net negative on your hand size, but right. that doesn't always... That, to me, doesn't mean anything. Like, as long as it... This can easily with above average hands which it usually involves like getting two double oranges um over time in one activation like can really change the math from how many turns it takes to take out your opponent so absolutely plus it those sort of hands you're now playing with six grenade launchers in your deck hypothetically depending on the scenarios where you just go oops i'll just ko that guy right now because I'm going to load up my attack and go nuts. So you and do don't forget the ma- it has massive synergy with Slipstream. It has massive synergy with yeah. Blue Street. Mm-hmm. It has massive synergy with Starscream, which we'll talk talk to later. Like any of these cards that require, it sort of has synergy with Silverbolt. Like any of these cards that require, it has synergy with Grapple. Like that require certain cards to be on top. The plan two becomes infinitely better. Oh, of course. So, like, because because a lot of times we like you were during wave one, like you would play incoming transmission in a slipstream deck. You still had to hope that you would hit the other side of it. This is yeah. like, nope, you're gonna get it. So you're exactly. Gonna go. The question is, how so. many Metroplex decks are gonna run this? <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's really good at Metroplex as well. That's um, fair. Yeah, I mean, it's really gonna that one. I'm only half joking. One, like I said, to, to throw a funny out there, but in all seriousness, it's depending on how the math works out, maybe it'll end up being this is good enough to take the place of one of the bold enablers, we'll see. I would think so. Yeah. I mean, there, there's definitely things in my head that I can think of as just one of those, I gotta try it, I think, or or sit down and actually concentrate on the math for it. But it definitely seems yeah. promising, and not, it, like, across the board, so. I agree, yep. Uh, the, the follow-up one here is Power Punch, which is kind of in the same boat, where it's, here's another... Grenade launcher. I mean, not grenade launcher, but like bolt three with an orange pip. It feels like this is also too good to not see play in aggressive decks. I agree. I mean, 
I've seen people say it was, quote, better than Grenade Launcher, and again, I've run the combat simulations enough to know that if you have an orange-based deck, you technically, a bold three does do more than four damage, but you, what you have to understand is, like, there's a four straight number on a card, and there's a probably going to be more than four, right? Um, given the math. So, like, um, I don't think it'll take the place of that, but I think it'll take the place of... Uh, like a lot of those decks were playing flamethrower. I think they're yeah. better than that there. Yes. Um, you're probably I, I only getting one activation out of flamethrower. Well, maybe not probably, but in a lot of scenarios. The issue is the issue is the mid range, the, the heavy, I guess you could say like the, not really mid range. I guess they're slightly sturdier aggro decks like cars mm -hmm. and Dinobots. Like you don't want your guys to just attack and die like in, in an insecticon type build. Right. So, like, I can see where, like, but I would say that using this once is the equivalent of using a flamethrower twice. So, as long as you're getting, like, because especially against a defensive deck, you want to be doing large packets of damage, as we've talked about in the past. So, that's where I see it is like, I'd rather have bold three once than bold two twice. And that makes, that sense. makes sense. Yeah, I, I, I so, follow you there. And I think you're absolutely right on that front. It's, it's also of note that since this is an upgrade, you can do things, again, air quotes, six grenade launchers, so you can play that grenade launcher and then supercharge, or or yep. power punch and one shall stand, those sort of turns. So yep. all those Insecticon openers are a lot scarier now, <laughs> or potentially yeah. a lot scarier. Uh, so I see a lot of power punches in our future, but... I'm not sure if we're going to see a lot of scrounges in our future. This is where you scrap the top card of your deck, and if it's an upgrade, you can play it. I don't know so, about this one. I mean, so this card is clearly worse than Field... What's it? Field uh, Commander or whatever it's called? Oh, the, Field uh, the Communicator, I think. You're talking the Specialist one, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that'll let you play any card off the top. This... In most normal decks... This should have like a slightly over fifty percent chance to hit, assuming you're playing an even spread. Right. And you can look. I mean, you, you can obviously look look through your yard and or your scrap pile and figure that out. But the problem is, like, you if you just plan a card to the top and then play this, like, it was just the new designs. Like, it didn't yep. really do anything. So you have to play it blindly, in my opinion, or somehow like. Again, like multi planning for value that also drew you cards. Like, there's like a draw three, plan two type card, which that comes out or something like that. Like, I could see it, but then that would be right. an ability also. So, I, I don't know. I feel like you have to play this card blind, and there just aren't going to be a lot of opportunities where it's just not a new designs. Right. It so, is, it's notable that it's a green pip. So, you again, maybe there's some. You know, it's the fourth copy of something. I don't know what that something would be. Maybe, because then you can try and go find it later on. But yeah, I'm I'm not excited about it. Field Communicator, the, the specialist version of this that we saw either last show or a couple shows ago, uh, at the very least, advances the board to some extent because it gives you that plus one attack. Whereas this is, like you said, it it's maybe a new designs. Maybe. In, in a normal deck, like if you're if you're playing some kind of heavy upgrade deck, like I maybe like, but your your hit chances have to be like over seventy five percent to make this worth it. So I would agree. Uh, so moving from there, we have secret dealings, which is 
a white pip and a green pip draw a card plan one this is another one that i feel metroplex is pretty excited about because it's metroplex has been yearning for more playable white pips and this helps set up the turn do you see it showing up outside of there i mean it's a strictly worse incoming transmission right yeah um well, a reusable one. Well, not reusable, but <laughs> you can get it back. Um, I'm trying to find silver lining, so don't <laughs> don't read too much into well, it. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's. I mean, again, like with a mining pick out, it 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 just does its job. Like you know, mm. um, so I don't know. Like I, I just feel like you're you're at just such a net no net advantage that like i just don't understand i just think there's better options for plan as it stands right now especially with mining pick right so like i just don't again like this is another way optimus prime battlefield legend can set up defensive uh draws i guess so if we see more abilities like that i can see it seeing more play um if you again if you absolutely need certain colors to be on top like drag strip slipstream things like that i can see where you would play this in addition to incoming transmission but i would never right. play it over incoming transmission right yeah you would need the fringe cases like the metroplex setup kind of thing where you're looking for a specific thing um in that case white pips or like you said maybe slipstream because then it would help satisfy her combat condition if you flipped it that sort of thing i'm i'm not super thrilled to play this but i'm sure there will be fringe cases where it's appropriate um, I mean, even in all blue deck, I still think I would probably, I mean, then I guess maybe you would run it over incoming, but I still can't even, I, well, I just but, doubt it because you're just digging so much further with incoming. Right. And even then so, it's still technically blank on its own on defense. Yes. It's going to flip more pips, whereas incoming transmission wouldn't, but that right. is something to consider as well. It. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the next one that came in that grouping of releases is Smelt, which is the blue-green one that is a diabolic edict for your opponent's upgrades. Uh, now, see, I, we've been we've been chastised for using magic terms before. We have. I so, wasn't aware of that. Yeah. On YouTube, we get chastised for <laughs> oh well magic terms. So <laughs> I'll, uh, it's been it's funny because <laughs> I'll reference magic card and like that card is from what like nineteen ninety eight. Something like that. It, was, it was a long time ago, and I stopped playing Magic a long time ago, so I apologize out there if I upset anybody. But um, So this card... So for, your new, for your new players, when we call things edicts, it means your opponent gets to decide what they're going to do. So because Smelt, your opponent chooses one of their upgrades yep. and scraps it, we call those edicts. Yep. Because there used to be a card in Magic called Diabolic Edict where they had to sacrifice one of their creatures. Exactly. That's where this comes from. Comes from. So... As to the actual card, I was not initially excited by this, but I've definitely warmed up to it. Ah, because bad puns aside, it um, <laughs> in all seriousness, I do think so. You had actually run disarm as a blue upgrade removal effect way back when in the touch. Um, I could definitely see this taking that card's place. Hypothetically, it's a green, so you can re get it back when you want it. For certain turns, the fact that your opponent chooses is still a little bit of a concern for me, but I think you could hypothetically play around it. Do you think that you're going to see a lot of this, Scott, or are you expecting that, that your opponent's choice is going to weigh too negatively on it? So I think I like this more than most players because the way I see it is there's two opportunities where this is basically a blue ramming speed, and that's in the very early game, right? Like, like especially if you go... 
if you go first and you your opponent plays an upgrade that stays in play and then you play this as your action. So right away so if you flip it in your first attack or first defense, you can green it back you can use the green ability to have it and and especially if you flip it at the opportune time, which is when, when they attack on turn two, like they're just totally hosed. Yeah, they have no um, option. If you flip it early, you might just kind of like screw them over to even want to play an upgrade. Um, so like you're definitely going to hit what you want. Well, uh, I should say what's in play on that turn. And then I really like it late when you're when you when attrition is taking out taken out characters to a lower level, and they just don't have as many upgrade slots to even use. Um, so so the fact that it's, it has green in it is what I really like, because you can you can try to set up your hand to have it in those situations. Right. Um, I, I guess I guess the problem is, is like, most... The upgrades you want to destroy the most are is armor, and it might be difficult to hit that, depending on what's in play, because they can... They can maybe sacrifice a, a quote worthless upgrade like field communicator after it's gone or turbo boosters after it's already on tap the guy and things like that. Right. So I think it's going to be meta dependent, but I think playing this as like a one of or a two of max, like I, I think you can gain a, a good player will get value out of this at the right time. Right. And that's always the type of card that I'm looking for. I know it. I know it seems worse, but I don't think it's going to be as bad as it, it appears at first glance. I think yeah, it's playable. I think it definitely has uh, some value and definitely has the potential to play. That middle ground scenario that you were just describing where it's not the early game and they only have one option or late game and they have very few options. When you're in that the middle of the game and they have, say, Ion Blaster and Datapad on a Prime, for example, and they go, oh, well, I'll just, you know, pop the data pad kind of thing. Right. The, the, right. That w- those are the first scenarios that came to mind. But I definitely agree with you as a one of or as the fourth copy of your upgrade removal suite or, you know, X copy of upgrade removal suite. I think it definitely will slot into a lot of decks over time. And of yeah, course, as the meta shifts. Cards that are blue-green because you can get, because they have value at the defense, because you get it back during the defensive phase and you use it right away. So Absolutely, yeah. Uh, so moving from there, we had another official Wizards preview to call back to the very first one we started out with, and this is stealthiness. So we alluded to it earlier. This grants the other new keyword where enemy characters must, can't, they basically can't get at the guy that's stealthed, which it seems very you know appropriate given the keyword. It's almost like they, they planned that out. Right. <laughs> um, you had mentioned earlier that you feel that stealth is probably the stronger of the two, Scott. Yeah, because you really only have to put it on your high value target. Most decks don't run more than one high value target. Like it just doesn't work out that way. Mm-hmm. Um, unless it's like a, even in like a two tall, there's still clearly one character that's usually better than another. So if you just put this on the character that you don't want to be attacked, they can't be attacked. Right. Um, in in most situations, and 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 the issue is, like I've had conversations where people. You don't need these cards because you just attack in the correct order. But the issue, there's always going to be certain turns where you can be attacked with just a turn. Oh, I think um, I'm losing you, Scott. <laughs> you still with us? It started to break up I'm a here. bit. Okay, cool. Sorry. Um, the turn zero turns, if, if it's your opponent's turn to go, they're always going to have the option of attack whoever they want. Right. So, 
I feel like it has value there. I feel like it has value. You simply can't, it it gives you more options to attack with your higher value targets earlier in the, the round phase than you would normally would want to. Cause normally like you want your high value attackers to be completely suited up before you attack with them. If this is part of that suit, um, it just gives you more options. Like, like normally you're like, oh, I don't want to attack with this guy in my defensive deck until he has armor on him. Well, if you don't have an armor, but you instead have this, it can be better than armor because it just forces them to attack another target. Absolutely. So, you know, like I don't know. Like if you put a if you put a body armor reinforced plating on your highest value target. They're, they don't. They can't ignore them because that card will just win you the game. Like they don't just yeah. immediately change targets. Now they actually have to change targets. So, I think it also has two other things worth calling out, which you may have been getting to if I was cutting you off. But it because it's a utility, and you had mentioned earlier that often it's people want to get rid of armor. So drill arms has skyrocketed in popularity over time for that purpose. The fact yeah, that this is a point. utility, it's going to dodge those drill arms, but still serves that exactly what you were describing, that defensive upgrade that keeps your important guy alive. Yep. And secondly, I think it also, we've run into this before in testing a number of different decks, and there's a lot of ideas that I have in a giant spreadsheet that basically boil down to, these characters are not melee, so they can't run body armor. I really need armor's four through six, and I don't really want force field because of reasons, whatever the reason happens to be. And it's very easy it's over, to become... It's overrated. Well, there's that. Um, <laughs> but it, the point being is that I, I really want extra copies of armor to make sure, yes, I gotta protect this guy, like you were saying. And up until this point, they're just... I'm out of options. What am I gonna run? Armored plating? Or bumpers, I guess. Right. right. <laughs> um, bumpers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit, it's an air quotes better armored plating anyway <laughs> uh point is is that this now even though it's orange and say you're running a defensive build it's still your defensive card it's now you have six copies of reinforced plating armor effects that you can protect a guy with so yeah i agree i think it's i think it's very good yeah uh what about tooth and claw the predacon upgrade because I'm not too excited about this card, are you? No, because you, you, you can't, like... You have to play other cards to make it good, and I don't like... I'm not a big fan of cards like that, so... If this card had new designs built into it, obviously I would feel better because it would be a better card, but I'm... I don't even know if I... I mean, the obvious thing is that Predaking can have all these weapons when he's combined, so the goal he is... Already oh, could, he already could it anyway, so who cares? Well, it's so that you can get them out ahead of time, I I guess, and then they're there sure. for when you combine. But it you could have put it on a different guy. I don't know. It they're fragile enough as it is. I'm not real excited about it. I I just don't see the time you're going to have to to make this exactly. Work. Yeah, I. So. If somebody out there can tell me the turn when you're playing this, I'd be more than happy to listen. Believe me, because I really do want to play Predacons, and I'd love to use this, but I don't think there's a home right now <laughs> you can play it with swindled i guess you can play it with um whatever that card we talked about earlier if you play a lot of upgrades you can play that play off the top card i don't know i mean you could yes yeah, <laughs> that, I mean, that, those are cards right. you could put in your deck 
Yeah, that's where I've seen people talk about it, but I just don't think it's worth it, in my opinion. They, it, it's one of those things that not to digress because we still have a lot more to go through, but it's you're expending so much effort to get to a game state that is fine, not a game state that's blowing people away kind of thing. And that's how I feel about it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next one is the aptly named Blue Zap for with underhanded tactics. Um this is, I guess, the counterpart to the one we talked about earlier, field repair, but on the purple side. So instead of healing damage, better. you're dealing. What was that? But way better. Well, yes, because dealing damage <laughs> is typically better than healing. <laughs> Bo, but by the way, you could incidentally heal one of your guys. That'll probably sure. never happen. But no, I mean, I mean, I've seen a lot of games where like it comes down to one damage. It, oh, absolutely. You, it's like. I'm a huge fan of armored hovercraft, armored hovercraft for that yes. reason. I just don't have a lot of homes for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I do. I mean more. So yes, you'll get the heal trigger, but I don't know how much that heal trigger is going to matter. A as I found trying many iterations of planes, bombing run is nice for the damage, not necessarily for the heal. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I think it's really just going to come down to there's room in your deck to run a blue zap. Right. Because um, assuming you're going to run it, uh, decks that would want this will also want all the other direct damage cards, which are blank, in fairness. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, I've I seen a reason. I mean, I, I want to try. It just depends if you need a zap. If you need a zap and you're, and you're a blue deck, I've seen a reason not to run this. This is a perfectly fine card, in my opinion. Absolutely, yeah. Although I, I think you're absolutely right that it's going to come down to is there room, because most of the time, I at least the builds that I've had so far had enough range characters to be able to support armed hovercraft. So do you need zaps four through six? Right. I mean, if you're just hitting such an, uh, like a, an abundance of direct damage, like, yeah, at a certain point, if you're just going every turn, burn everybody all the time, (laughs) there's something to be said for that. Yeah. Cause you can still run this like with confidence and things like that and just do multiple things in a turn. So absolutely. Yeah, it's something that I am looking forward to trying because, as silly as it may sound, blue zap is maybe good enough. Yeah, I mean zap sees play, but so I don't see why this wouldn't. So exactly. Uh, so the next one was one that got a lot of people's gears turning, and that's leap of faith. So it's a, yet another in the cycle. I guess we can call it a cycle of the action cards that have star costs attached to them. And this one does something pretty splashy in that you get to just play the top two cards. So are you envisioning this is just going to end up in weird combo decks? Or do you actually see that this is, okay, this will support something on its own? Uh, If you have stars left over, you're playing this card over any of the other ones. I could definitely agree with that one. (laughs) I just see, I just, there are very few, I can't see a situation where this is ever bad um like unless you have like the absolute perfect upgrades in play that you would not want to replace and so few characters that you wouldn't even be able to upgrade the other ones mm-hmm. i just see absolutely no reason you wouldn't play this so do you um, with see, any stars left over i guess to make it more interesting since we both kind of agree that this thing seems wild do you feel that this is going to impact deck building in the way that Double pips such as Improvised Shield that, while not literally blank, are effectively blank, would end up sit riding the pine, sitting on the sideline, 
because you're running this and you run the risk of, oh, well, I'll flip over double handheld blaster or double checkpoint or something like that. I, no, I can see the argument. I mean, it would just suck, but I mean, like, I don't think, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Yeah. I, I think, think the math is in your favor overall. Yeah. I mean, getting, I mean, unlike, like we talked about scrounge, for example, um, there's no conditions to what you're getting out of this card. Right. So even if you're, even if it's junk or even if it's, um, it, it's still a white pip. I mean, like it doesn't matter what, what you play off the top. Like, I mean, it's like brainstorm and new design one, just right. better. I think um, it comes down to the idea and, it, and not to cut you off there, Scott, it, no, no. that it's, even if the play is mediocre, probably two mediocre plays is better than just one. I guess is the way to put it. You know, like, well, yes, you're flipping over two things that may not be fantastic in this particular scenario, but you're still getting to play two things. So I've had numerous conversations with people that don't understand this concept, but because it, it's hard to explain, I understand it's hard to get. Like, it's, I don't know what the official term is. I, I know what I used to call it in Magic, but I won't call it that. So, like, I've started calling it, like, the Schrodinger's cat. Uh, problem okay for lack of a better term so people will say you flip over the top two cards and, and my argument is you would have just drawn those two cards now obviously someone will say no those will be your combat flip for the turn so you weren't actually going to draw those cards well those cards exist as every single potentially every single card that's left in your deck on top that's why i call it schroeder's cat because it's both alive and dead you know how yeah, that works yeah. I got you. So I think so, I'm getting which magic analogy you were going to make, but <laughs> <laughs> right. So so every single card, whatever it, whatever you're going to be playing, is automatically going to be taking up. You're, you're turning this into two additional actions off the top that doesn't cost you cards from hand like brainstorm does. Um, or and I don't just mean action cards. I mean action phases. What I call them. So like your yes. action, yeah, player action card, player upgrade off the top um so if you just imagine those cards would have been in your hand anyway so like you could have drawn that handheld blaster you don't want to draw or draw that screen checkpoint that you didn't need right at that moment um or that improvised shield like it's no different than playing them off the top uh so i see no name of this because you you would have just again drawn those cards anyway i know they would have combat flip but um you could just assume that you would have drawn them anyway. So there's absolutely no negative to playing this card. Right. If that makes sense. No, I, <laughs> I, I follow what you're saying. Yeah, like I said, I, I think I, without digressing into it, I, I think <laughs> I know which uh, magic analogy or, or um, theorem that you were going to call to there. Because it, yeah, it the sounded cards very familiar. The cards don't matter. The cards don't matter. Like, whatever you're playing is automatic. So. Right. It's... I have a hard time seeing this not seeing play. I guess the the real dance is going to be, do you play an air quotes weaker character to make room for this, which is still something that remains to be seen. Even up to this stage, I'm still not quite sure how I evaluate an individual star. Like I can see character A versus character B, why character B costs more stars because of X attack or Y defense or whatever the ability is, but a single star in a vacuum, yes, this card is good, but I don't know how much character I'm willing to trade for it, I guess. The problem I've come up with is that I can always find myself 
getting two of three characters that I know I want to put in a deck, and then like if my choice is get to another character or like I'm always like three or four stars away from where I want to be as opposed to like yeah. only one or two left over. Mm-hmm. So that's just that's a difficulty I've had in, in fitting these cards into theor- theoretical decks. Right. It, it's definitely a good problem to have. I'll I'll say that because it there's a there's a, a lot of exciting potential in this one. Yeah. So from there, that actually closes out the actions, which I hope we didn't miss any because I know we had the interview last week, so I'm pretty sure I got them all. Um, no, we missed aerial bot formation. <laughs> oh well, I was saving that one until we got to the aerial oh. bots. <laughs> oh, Sorry, okay. yeah, I was I was lumping right. that in with the aerial bots. So all right, my bad. That's all right. Spoiler alert for everybody as we jump ahead. Um, <laughs> So the next thing we were going to tackle was the four individual characters that were released, starting with Grapple, who uh, we had mentioned a little bit in the interview with Drew, or it came up, I guess, a little bit in the interview with Drew. Yeah. This guy... Um, I think I like this card more than most people. I understand mm-hmm. he's difficult to get his ability off of, but I just feel like four damage is just so powerful. Again... It's basically kill a guy was- when it happens. Like... I have a hard time believing yeah. when you tag somebody for four that they're not just dead. Um. Yeah. But I guess the, I guess the real issue that we're waiting for is is there a way to plan on your on defense defense on defensively and like so far we only see one transformer that can do that. Yeah. Um. And it's a combiner, so like I have, so I just hope that there's other. There's so many cards that reference battling now instead of when you attack or when you defend. Right. That, like, um, I feel like we just haven't seen cards that do that yet. And if there is, like, an armor that allows you to do that or, like, mm-hmm. an ability that somehow puts cards X deep or something like that, I can see where this is going to be way more powerful because it's not really about attacking for a bunch of... With, with grapple, it's about being able to defend for four... And that, and then getting that off, I I just feel like if you can't do that, I don't understand how he's along for the world. Um, but if you well, can yeah. do it, then then I think he's, it's fine. So yeah, it's obviously tough or bold. Help him out on the appropriate sides. I agree with you. It we want to see something where it's plan while defending. I would not be surprised. And I really have no basis for this, but I would not be surprised to see this as like a seed card for a future set. So they introduce plan now, but then they elaborate on it later and introduce plan on defense in wave three. I have literally no basis for that. It just feels like, I don't know, I have it's one of those gut feeling kind of things. Um, but he is exciting because of how flashy he is. And it's definitely going to be contingent on whether we see anything else. I I don't know if there's enough right now, like literally right this second that we know, to say, oh yeah, that's a grapple deck. Would you say that's true? He's, he's expensive. So like you need yeah. to give, like you want to have a power sword and a body armor on him when he attacks so that you get it both ways. Right. Um, He's just extremely susceptible to armor removal at that point. Like he can, Oh yeah. If they just go armor removal, he's dead. Like there's just no... No doubt about it. Like the way it stands again, the way it stands now with no plant effects. That's the way it stands right now. That's why I feel like you need those abilities, or else you just are like, "Oh, I just got ramming speed. Okay, I lost twelve stars." Like, like if he, I just feel like those cards have to exist just because his star cost is so high. 
right to make it work so i could see that yeah that yeah. makes sense maybe he's a stealth target i don't know so. that's that's also true again we you have that redundancy from those sort of effects and hopefully we'll yeah. see more than just literally stealthiness i'm sure there are going to be other ways to grant it uh, right so our next one in line is warpath who is the anti-tough tank or anti-blue tank because he has they can't use tough he's got pierce if they have double blues on his flip he makes them hurt for it he's a six-star tank so anybody out there who wants to try weird tank compositions this gives you a little more flexibility although given that he has six health uh, aka two one shall stand one shall falls uh our our friend the minibot tank may not be long for the world yeah i think that's the issue um, the problem is, is that the defensive decks that would run the double blues to make his ability relevant usually run direct damage and hit six. Yep. So, so, I mean, the one thing I like about it decently is that like, so he soaks an attack yep. and then you can, I still function him back later against those blue decks and probably do three to four damage, of course, of their choosing kind of like the swarm type of thing, which I call indirect damage. Right. Um, and so I think that's, and you get an attack out of him, obviously. So I think that's, that's worth it with an I still function and then not, you know, bringing kickback type back situation or bringing any insect to combat type situation. So I feel like that's mm-hmm. kind of worth it, um, to eat an attack and then do that. It, I just don't, I just don't think he does a lot on his own. He facilitates you needing to have I still function, but I, I think he is okay. Um, I just don't know what his place is. Yeah, because uh, I just don't yet. But I think he's fine in those situations. If somehow there's a, I don't know, like an orange based deck that wants him with this kind of stats. So I would be surprised to see that. I think the I still function play is an interesting one. Um, the default scenario that obviously is go- I'm going to in my head is oh well they have a nemesis and optimus out. You wait until the turn before they're going to reshuffle. Clearly, they probably offed him before then. And like you said, tagged them for... So you get a, a plasma burst and a one-shell stand sort of out of that I still function, hypothetically. And that does sound reasonable. I don't yeah, know that's, if that's I... That's how I saw it. Man. But I don't know if... I mean, yes, it's only six stars, but it, it feels like I could be doing something better with that I still function. But at the same time, like... Getting five direct damage, I don't know what's going to get me better than that off the top of my indirect. head, other than, you know... Indirect damage. Yes, yes, correct. Um, so that that's that that might be what holds him back, is it, it's not targeted, but... Right. I'm not sure. Yeah, he... I don't know. I definitely don't picture that there's going to be a tank build really screaming for this guy, though, for all you tank fans out there. Sorry. Um, he, he feels like he's going to fall into the same boat as demolisher where people are accidentally going to ko him like almost literally accidentally the anti-tough thing means nothing to me so yeah i mean he does have higher defense in that mode but i don't anticipate him living you got to get him to that mode just so you can flip him basically i think i guess in control mirrors i don't know maybe possibly i mean it is as long as he's alive so it's not out of the realm possibility he survives a single attack like early attack it's unlikely but let's say he survives you can flip to that mode and then it negates body armors and things 
I guess. So it's yeah, a- he's just not. He has a target on his back for the decks that would want to like you want to use him again. So like that's mm-hmm. not terrible. Like like it's just you're basically just saying I'm giving up six stars and making my eyes still functions into indirect damage. Like the way I see it, which might be okay. It's better than demolisher in my opinion. Well, yes. <laughs> so <laughs> there is that. Um, so the six, re- the six drop slot is bad for me. Like I, there's not a lot of characters I like out of that slot at all. Yeah. So. Well, th- this guy at least gives you an interesting option. Uh, so I'll say that. Um, at six stars, I'd run like almost, almost any five star and a leap of faith over this guy. How's that? Well, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, they, so. he does have to fight against Flame War and one of and Leap of Faith. So <laughs> yeah. you're absolutely right. So the recent one that we actually got just a few hours before we started recording was Starscream Decepticon King, who I really wish was uh, Decepticon Lord or, or Decepticon Regent. I don't know why. It feels weird calling him the Decepticon King, but it is what it is. <laughs> this guy does call back to Decepticon Crown, which is obviously very fitting, but also is an interesting interaction because it's looking for specific cards, which is not something that I think we've seen on anything else to this stage. Yeah, we've only seen colors, not um, right, not card names. Yeah, so that it is cool that they're they're adding that to the repertoire. I guess uh, it also is something that I mentioned offline that it seems to be a theme among thirteen star characters that they all have a recursion effect on flip. So Optimus gets actions, Megatron gets weapons, Starscream in this case pulls back planned cards. Um, he sure. does dove. Uh, ugh, can't get that one out. I'm sorry. <laughs> he does have. <laughs> Two defense in alt mode, which I think is pretty important, but he's a 6-5 attack-wise for 13 stars, although you do get the potential to, to go nuts with Decepticon crowns. Is this guy all wombo to you? Like, you're trying to go all in on him? Do you see him showing up filling out other decks? I mean, at 13 stars, it's not really filling it out. It's kind of taking it all up. Exactly. So, I mean, he has to be a deck on his own because he has 13 stars. Right. Um... But I mean, the big question is similar to grapple is what can he defend for? Mm -hmm. Um, So again, I see another stealth target, for example, but so I think he's very good. Even if there's not a defensive plan card, he's extremely good. If there's a defensive plan card, Um, because then even in then he's, then he's for defense by planning one of the crowns on top. And then the point is, because the crown has green on it, you immediately get it back to use on attack from vice versa. You're always... If there's a defensive plan card and an offensive plan card, and you're going to put like a pick on him, he always has plus three on either side. Which is... If there's a defensive four defense is a lot. Especially and on a 15 health character. <laughs> and nine attack or whatever, like, like yeah, in exactly. that mode. Now minimum. The, I guess the question is, so. does this stack... So yeah, it's it does. It does. Okay, yeah. Because it, it. So for anybody out there who doesn't have the visual in front of them, um, he has, when you flip Decepticon Crown while this is battling, so that's what Scott was referencing, attack or defense, he gets plus three attack, plus three defense. So multiple crowns means multiple triggers. You just can't get both of them back because you can only gr- use the green ability on one green card per attack. Right. But you can flip him back to alt mode to get the other one back. Also, right. so you can always like have two at hand once you have two quote in the field of battle, like in some way, shape, or form. Like you're always going to have one once you have one. You're just going to green it back every single combat. Um, 
So again, it depends. Like as an attacker, he's insane. It's just whether it's just how can he can he survive hits on defense, right? Um, and I'm just waiting for a defensive plan card that'll make him like totally insane. But I see no reason that you can't set him up as the second or third attacker to where he like. Let's just say you you set him up with like a mining pick to at least plan crown on top minimum. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, you're talking right there at an eleven before any, and and you get you have three more flips to go because crown is white green. That's so like seems okay. That's an eleven, <laughs> right? That I seems mean, so all there's right. Your, there's your optimist like leap, like right there and then. Right. Somebody. So, uh, I mean. Oh, go ahead. That's not doesn't seem hard to do. Yeah, that doesn't. That's not a oh, I need the stars to align scenario. We did have somebody in chat thrown out, so shout out to chat suggesting Acid Storm and Skywarp to fill out those remainder 12 stars. To be honest with you, I think I'm more inclined to do my default thing of Flame War and some 7 star because then you have additional chances also to buff that defense because of the tough. Um, but yeah, that's also my... I, I, oh, good. I still don't think... I, we haven't seen another planes card like bumpers so um, <laughs> well I, i'm it, hoping it's it, not like bumpers <laughs> right so i i just mean like a wave one yeah yeah tribe tribe card i'm um, expecting there is one because obviously we now have a so all of them lined up with nicely lined up with combiners so you had cars with the stunticons um you have yeah. the volcanicus with electrified spikes so presumably because we sh- uh spoiler alert superion uh, we'll get something along those lines. Yeah, I agree. Um, it, like I said, I think my default answer to just about everything is, oh, we'll just fill it out with Flame War. But I think in this case, it actually does make sense until at least until we see whatever those other cards are that we'll surely get. I mean, when you want to get a specific card in your hand, you want to have tougher bold. Right. Um, also, putting if it's not Mining Pick, putting Starscream's No Ray on him is also insane. Yes. So, uh, like, like as a default, even if you don't have it in your hand in some way to plan it, which I doubt that's ever going. I doubt that's going to be the case. Like, I just uh, he has his abilities are very, very, very good. Yep. So, like, I, I just, I, I, I would, I'm hard pressed to say that there's a better character I've seen in the set so far. Honestly. Wow. That going out on a limb there. I mean, yeah. I don't think I can. Th- well, off the top of my head, I can't think of anything to disagree with you immediately. Um, and also, he is the one of the 13-star super rares, so uh, I would hope that he's up there in power level. Yeah. Because that's a heavy investment to say over half my team is going to be this guy, just this one guy. So he better be worth it. I just don't think it's very hard to get him to the 11 to 1, mm-hmm. and, you still have more to, and you're still going to have more flips to go. Yep. I guess the question so, is going to be to the to the null ray piece um, exactly what the pip color composition is going to look like and how that's going to play out. Obviously, it'll be influenced by well, does his flip mean I want to run this plan card over this other thing hypothetically? But there's there's definitely a lot of things to get your gears turning with this guy. Yeah, and I, like I said, if 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 there's a defensive plan armor or something like that. Then- 
he's clearly the best card in the set, no doubt. Like, I, I would now not have seen a character better if, there, if that card exists. Are you real excited to run Aerial Recon with this guy? Or do you think that's going to end up riding the pine? I mean, it's an option. Right. But like right now, I don't see any other utility I guaranteed want to play on this guy. So I don't see any reason why not. But um, You don't want to play the crown itself on him? <laughs> no, I don't want to play the crown on him. So. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. It, as of right now, I, I mean, I guess Datapad has has options with him. Right. That's about it. Of course. Uh, yeah. So the the other character, we went a little bit out of sequence because uh, we're probably not going to say a whole lot about this. And this was actually your preview, Scott, which is Bombshell, Decepticon PsyOps. So can I take it we should just say, hey, everybody, go check out VectorSigma.info and read the, the article? Yep. Any other yep. thoughts you want to add on to it, or you just want to say you wrote them all? You got everything down that you wanted to say. Got everything. It, I laid it all out how you can make it. So. Okay, completely fair. So, yeah, head on over to VectorSigma.info if you want to check out what Scott had to say about Bombshell, because uh, he's definitely very interesting. I will I will throw that out there. Yeah, he's a combo card. I'm not the best combo player, so. No problem. So, from there, we're into... The more recent, well, maybe not recent in the first case, but very recent in the, in the latter, um, the combiners themselves. So we're going to run through the parts, and then we'll talk about the Enigmas and their associated cards. I did pull up uh, Combat Control. I think that's the name of the card. It's the Sentinel one, because we're going to Combat Commands. We're going to tackle them first. So what? what was that, Scott? I said okay. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I, I uh, thought you had said something else. So... Robot brought this to us. Uh, the first one up is Hot Rod. The whole mechanic, because the, this is a six-member combiner team, makes them kind of unique. Uh, they have a, another bizarro, comparatively bizarre way of combining. Not similar to Volcanicus, but you know, similar being that they're both kind of weird. They're not just drop five guys and play, eventually combine them. So the interesting piece for these is going to be deciding which ones and i i haven't seen a clarification to this point whether you see your opponent's team first before you decide who ends up in the ko pile to start hmm. i mean I don't know it matters all that much but i agree. well that's the i don't know if it's going to matter some of them do have different effects and but i think a lot of them are going to come down to okay i want these stats kind of in play so the first one up is hot rod where when you flip him to his bot mode he can zap somebody so, which is a really cool effect, considering you can get it while he's dead, I believe. Yeah. So, so he's the best one. Period. He's the best. He's the one that, to me, will see the most play mm. out of all of them. Right. Because he's he's relevant in alt mode and with tough two and good stats. Right. Well, tough one relevant. and two defense. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah sorry. Yeah. Tough one and two defense. Um. And he has a relevant when dead ability. So he can easily like take a couple hits and then have value as the game goes on uh, out of the KO pile, whether he's on the Sentinel team or not. So I think he's the one that we'll see the most play outside the Sentinel team. Mm-hmm. Um, and clearly, like the way I see the Sentinel deck working is three ways. Like either. Like I said, they see play outside of their team. Um, 
they see play on the team, but it's not necessarily like combiner focus. It's just incremental advantage focus. Like I'm going to do some damage here with Hot Rod. I'm going to draw some cards with another guy, blah, blah, blah. Makes sense. Um, because they usually seem to want to attack in alt mode anyway, which is why... Yeah, that is interesting counter- about them. Well, it's counterintuitive to them combining that point. Right. Um, and then, like, that deck would probably just run, like, one Enigma, and then, oh, by the way, eventually I transform, you know, combine, and then it's still a really good combiner. Yep. Um, and then the last way is, like, the rush to combine, which I think the middle way is going to be the best way, other than I think Hot Rod will see play outside the team. I think that's completely reasonable. Do you see this guy displacing or causing shifts in car builds? No, because I don't like because most well most car builds want to be bold over tough, mm-hmm. and like his his job is to take hits and then die and then continue to gain you advantage um, as time goes on. Like I, I like I think compared to like other seven drops i think he's very very good for what he does like uh if you go watch the videos of the showcase event of the deck i was running you'll see that there were several turns where i had like seven drops still in play and my opponents and i were just bouncing off each other like if i could gain a damage every single one of those turns like it would be huge right or every other one of those turns i guess you could say well yeah we know where you're going with it yeah yeah the Having the onboard, well, I guess since he has to be dead to do it, not onboard zap is pretty relevant. Just having that that damage threat there all the time. I do like this guy a lot. Um, I haven't really thought about this team outside of the team because I've been pretty excited about actually trying them out. Plus, the mechanic is so weird and unique. So we'll we'll have yeah. to see. Uh, now, Mirage. So he's the Pierce one. And you can rip actions out of your opponent's hand with his flip. Is this a guy that you anticipate you're going to be starting in the KO pile? Yes. And that should be your first action is to flip him. Yep. (laughs) I could definitely see that. I mean, you can really screw your opponent over by doing that, in my opinion. Um, And I can see where later, when you both have less cards in hand, he's going to be relevant again to flip him back again. So... He's key in that incremental advantage I was talking about earlier. Yep. Um, so, I like him a lot. Yeah, this guy seems to be pretty interesting. I He does have the specialist tag, which gives you an excuse to put him in play because then you can leverage some of the other cards that we had alluded to earlier, field communicator or things along those lines. But the ability to, and not to <laughs> upset anybody with more magic turns, but to uh, sort of coercion or really duress i guess somebody and have it duress, you're guaranteed the rest was a magic card that lets you look at your opponent's hand and take a, take a certain <laughs> we have our resident gatherer in the house to <laughs> elaborate on all the cards Co- coercion was a term that allowed to take any card not specifically by type out of your opponent's hand yep and that's why i, I backed away from the the latter um yes so the, i don't know do you do, would you say you're definitely going to drop this guy into the KO pile every time? You don't think that you're really going to start with him at all? You don't care about the specialist tag is what I'm getting at? If Sunstreaker wasn't also a specialist, I would care more. But since there's options, I think it's definitely right to, to always put him in the, in the in the KO pile. Makes sense. So our middle guy, well, one of the middle guys is Ironhide. So 
we got more stuff for the truck deck, that hypothetical truck deck that's going to be coming out. Um, he gives all your guys Pierce, and he has Bold in alt mode. It's compared to the other flips. I mean, yes, it's relevant, but the other ones I feel are are more exciting to me. But this one clearly has its places as well. Um, he has decent stats, right? He's four ten two in both modes, so you're not you don't feel terrible about it. Yeah, I think he's one of the ones that starts in play. Right. Uh, I, because you, oh, I think Optimus is not a truck for whatever weird reason. Isn't that the case? Uh, he is, you are right, he's a leader sentinel melee. I'm cheating and looking ahead because he's our next one. But <laughs> Right. I think I think it's weird that he's not like, so I, I think this is one of the ones, I think this is the one that, one of the ones that starts in play. Yeah. Because he has two defense and good hit points, so I think he starts in play and then he's not one of the great ones. So like he doesn't want to, his KO bioability is not, not as relevant. So I think he's just one of the ones that starts in play. Right. I did one quick call out that has no gameplay implications. The artwork on his hands just call, it shows me, Hey, this was a legends size toy where it's like, he doesn't have real hands. Like the kibble huh. just gives him boards around like the back of his forearms. Okay. It, it's, uh, yeah, it's just one of those things as a toy collector that I noticed. There's a couple other things that, um, like the Menasaur art has the sixth combiner in the chest, the stuff like that. Um, but anyway, so our next guy up is Optimus, the leader of the team. Uh, so he has two unique effects. The bot mode is when he flips, when he attacks and you flip at least a white pip, an orange, and a blue, you can flip another character in your KO pile to its other mode. So it's not restricting it to it has to go to bot or has to go to alt. And then his alt mode is the thing that lets you get the other sentinels into the KO pile to begin with. So you actually have a team. So obviously you're not combining without this guy. That's why I was referencing earlier that he's not unlike Grimlock for Volcanicus, where if you want to do it, you got to run this guy. Not that you wouldn't be running the rest of the team anyway, but still. Yeah, I think in either one of the decks that's going to be focused on them, depending on how you that you have obviously you have to have this guy mm-hmm. um but i think even in even in the incremental advantage deck you want to have that incremental advantage starting right away where you're not going to want to be flipping your guys so his it's his bot mode that has that flip over three colors right the bot mode yeah yeah like i don't see that coming into play all that often that's what i was gonna say is like, do you picture this being a mixed pip deck or do you picture it being like all in blues or something I haven't really sat down and thought about it yet, but I think it's probably a blue-based deck just because you're going to be gaining that incremental advantage, and so you want to delay the game as much as possible. Makes sense. So, like, I mean, he is a leader, so, like, you know, you can play the Matrix and things like that, and I don't think that's a bad thing. So there are... You you should have all three colors in your deck, um, probably white being the least, um, but... I wish it was three colors instead of, like, the specific three colors, so green would count. I think that hurts him a little bit in terms of that ability, and I'm not even like. Doesn't he? Have, does he have one less defense in in bot mode? Also, yeah, he's uh, five fifteen one in bot and four fifteen two in alt. Yeah, I'd rather have the two defense over the one attack. So, mm. I don't think you should build to the to that ability. You should just gain the incremental advantage over time. Mm. So, I don't see that the bot mode being that big of a deal, and the alt mode you have to have. So. Yeah, I just see that you're mostly you're you're gonna want to. I don't think you you can afford to waste the flip to get him into bot mode 
unless you're definitely going to be getting your combining three colors kind of thing. Yeah. So. Right. Yeah, I think he's obviously you need him, um, but I don't think that 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 bot ability is relevant. Right, and I I'm inclined to agree with you. For the most part, most of the combiner teams, my initial thought is to go more blue heavy or blue leaning, just to ensure because in my head it's oh it's combiner team. Well, I want to combine with them, so I need to make sure they survive, and I'm also not coming in with a combiner that has three health left, sort of thing. Right. So. Right. I'm assuming going in that it's going to be that route, and it also plays into exactly what you're describing, that if you're trying to grind your opponent out with these flips, getting advantage over time, well, you're, the blue plan lends itself to that. Um, right. Oh, and shout out to chat. Yeah, I know they were uh, deluxe, not legends. I don't know why I said legend. I pulled up, I'm holding my legends wheelie right now because he has the same symptom where he has these weird blocks on on his hands. I don't know if anybody can see that because the orange washes out. But anyway, wheelie and rhyming aside, uh, any other thoughts on Optimus? <laughs> he's just a necessary evil. Like, he's just not that great, but he's necessary evil. Yeah, he seems fine, I guess. Yeah. Which, if they're going to make a character, I guess it, it makes sense that it's the leader, it's the one that's going to have to have that ability. So, the next one up is Prowl. Oh, go ahead, sorry. At some point, you're going to have to explain to me the history of this team in this character of the sentinel well yeah. there yeah there's yeah. um <laughs> there's there's several books in between where you're at now so i've been anybody that's wondering i've been loaning scott the um <laughs> some of my hardcovers from the idw series and this is uh in real life several years later like okay. our time not in story time <laughs> yeah so um yeah we'll, we'll get there eventually i don't want to spoil too much so okay. the next one up is prowl who's obviously another car Five ten one on both sides, bold one and alt, and when he's in your KO and you flip, you can pop an enemy weapon. I mean, he's the, mo the I guess, the most aggressive one. Prime had five, Ironhide had four, bold one. Yeah, so he is officially the most aggressive one. Um, but again, we were talking about this build probably being blue-centric. So are you expecting this guy's another one that starts out dead and is a utility? In that deck, probably because you just don't want to really be doing anything. But this guy's really good in guard decks. Yeah, he does have utility out or purpose outside the actual team. So he never has to transit. He never has to flip. So he's always in car mode that you want to be in. Yep. You just, I guess, don't gain as much advantage out of start your engines. I guess, but who cares? Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> um he almost is a barrage mm -hmm. with no restriction. So, like, to me, if you're costless, if you're almost a barrage, you're a good card. <laughs> yeah, barrage is a pretty. If you're on par with that, he's a pretty good metric to measure yourself by. <laughs> yeah. So, like, in an orange-based card deck, which most of them are, like, I mean, he's probably going to do like around eight damage, which is for seven, which is pretty huge. Yep. Um, like I said, barrage, you have to have the guy be damaged, and he has to do, and he usually does like you know eight or nine. So. I think this guy will definitely see playing card decks. Mm -hmm. um, uh, like you can play Cliff Jumper, Cliff Jumper, Wheeljack, him, and still have a star left over. Leap of faith. There it is. <laughs> yep, exactly. So, um, I mean, like this is enough for me not to run the super rare Bumblebee because just how much damage this guy does. Right. Um, so whereas Hot Rod to me is ubiquitous in any deck, this guy is specifically an upgrade for card decks in my opinion. 
Yeah, I can definitely see that. It's uh, it adds a lot to those non-sentinel focused teams, which it it's not. I don't want to say that they needed it, but it it definitely helps bolster the ranks because there are a number of wave one tribes and a number of different builds that just wanted. Hey, well, it's a seven star thing, so I guess I'll put in barrage. I mean. If you're not running cars, you're probably reaching for Barrage instead of Prowl, but it just fills out, in general, the ranks for those star costs, which I think is important. Yep. Uh, we got uh, multiple people calling me out, so uh, Orangitis got me earlier about the, the deluxe on Ironhide, and yeah, you're right on that, uh, Brian, that it was a deluxe. Hmm. They're calling me out because I said legend mistakenly earlier, but I do appreciate chat keeping me honest. <laughs> I got to I gotta sure. keep my street cred for the toy collectors. <laughs> there you go. Um, so our last Sentinel is Sunstreaker. And so he he's the specialist that you were talking about earlier. He has tough one in alt, but when you flip him while he's toast, you draw a card. So are you starting... This is the guy you're saying you're starting in play so that you have access to that specialist, right? Yeah, I think it's him, Ironhide, in those decks. I, I mean, his his KO ability is good. Oh, yeah. Um, obviously. But, like, if you told me, would you rather draw a card every other turn or damage every other turn, I'd probably do the damage every turn. Makes sense. Or strip, my, strip a card from my opponent's hand every turn, um, just the way the game works. So if you want specialists, which field communicator is that good that you probably do, and he has tough one. I wish he had two defense. I think it's just weird yeah. that like, he only has one, but because um, how many hit points does he have? He has 10. So it's definitely, uh, I mean, it's obviously a balancing thing that they decided, because he, he has tough one. So if we're assuming this team is going to be blue focused, he, he kind of sort of has two defense. Yeah, I mean, like you'd rather have high rod, but like I think just high rod's ability is just better to start going as soon as possible. So like... I think the fact that he's a specialist just means you start with him in play. Right. Um, so, I mean, he's not the Sunstreaker I would have liked to see in the game first, but he's fine. So, uh, I think I think he's fine for that deck. I don't think you'll see play outside of that. Outside of the actual team, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, They. I mean, the only... I mean, yes, he has tough one, but... Compared to Prowl and Cars, you yeah you're you're not going to spend seven stars on Sunstreaker over the new Prowl, and I agree with you that the stat line is not exciting enough to entice me to want to run it elsewhere that I can think of. But yeah, you just run hot run. Yeah, exactly. So that closes out the combine the combiner parts. Uh, any other thoughts on them before we actually pull up Optimus Maximus himself? Nope, good to go. All right, so now we have. And I apologize to everybody out there who's looking at the overlay. I tried to squeeze all this in because they're all relevant. So we have the actual combiner himself, Combat Commands, which was previewed by Wreck and Rule, I guess, a while ago now. It feels like forever ago because spoiler season has felt really long. Uh, and then the Enigma itself. So this is the guy that, and we've mentioned it several times, that it's whenever he battles, you get to draw a card in Plan 1. So you get your defensive plan. He also has, if I recall correctly, the highest stats attack and health-wise of all the combiners. Correct. Health is irrelevant, but yes. Right. So 
I mean, he kind of needs it because of the way his mechanic works. Similar to Volcanicus, you need the extra buffer because some of your guys are just, you know, starting dead. Um, right. The Sentinel card itself is a utility that actually helps you get there because you can flip your Sentinels, get more value out of it. I think it'll even... I mean, it clearly has value in that grindier version that you've been describing. Because then, okay, well, I'll just flip Hot Rod a gazillion times and zap your team over and over and over again. Right. Um, the Enigma itself is not ramming speed. I mean, it's basically <laughs> ramming speed, but you can't hit... Um, you can't hit utilities, which is yeah. whatever, I guess. Yeah, um, okay. yeah it, it's... Sure, it's a thing. <laughs> like it, it's a thing you can do. Um, do you, as the combiners go? I guess we'll start there. Is this guy near the top of the list for you, or is he kind of eh? Oh no! If you can get, if you can combine, he's very good. I just don't know. It's just difficult to get this team to combine because they would rather attack in alt mode, so you have to put them in a worse mode. Mm-hmm. Um, and. I still believe the team wants to be built through inco- incremental advantage. And so I just don't know how many enigmas I would play to get them in this, th- this mode. But like, again, having plan in both attack phases is, and drawing a card every single time. Right. Um, is, is very good. So, um, and nine attack to start with. Um, well, so like I can see the argument for both ways. Well, I think, uh, so let me, posit this one to you and maybe this is already what you were thinking and i'm just slowly catching up (laughs) so let's assume the incremental advantage version i think and you did say this earlier that oh well oops i combine this is a guy that i think it's fine if you were to combine and you're still only you know like 15 health left or something so it is low enough because you just go oh well i'll combine into a nine attack guy and then just brutalize you from there kind of thing. Like, it's a high enough attack compared to some of the other combiners where six attack is a decent amount, but maybe not enough, whereas nine is just, okay, I'm hitting hard enough that I could close the game out right now even if I have a relatively low life total remaining. Well, assuming you start with Ironhide and Optimus Mm. at all times and then choose another one to start and play, usually Sunstreaker, Mm-hmm. There, you have two thirds of your guys are made, so you're going to be running body armor regardless, right? So he's going to, he's probably going to have a body armor. He's definitely going to have some kind of weapon, and I don't care what utility he has. Um, if it's a matrix, I don't care. Whatever it is, yeah, matrix um, will probably be in there, I'd assume. So like he's he's going to be suited up with another with a weapon also. So like he's going to be like a, an eleven to twelve to start with the plan ability. So I I mean again like I don't. I don't know that combining as fast as possible is what this team is going to want to do, but I do think you should run a token enigma or two to like in the deck to begin with. So mm-hmm. like, because it's green, so like, you can run it as a one of and just like, oh by the way, like you said, back into it with a defensive deck with a guy that has like fifteen hit points and another guy that has like good stats. So like, when you get to that point, I feel like you probably have killed one or two guys. As a you have the better guy left over. Yeah, you can race whatever they happen to have remaining with a 9 to 12 attack guy with probably, you know, like you said, body armor, tough 2 to 3, depending on whether it's reinforced plating body armor or something else. You get to plan, so you're you're 
rigging combat in your favor every time. Yeah, yep. I agree with you. I think the I'll eventually combine plan as compared to some of the other teams where it feels like if they don't get to the combined state quickly enough, their whole game plan is going to fall apart. These guys can take some hits. Most of them have double digit hit points with two or three with like one or with two armor usually. So I think they can take hits. So. Yep. Yeah, I I do like this guy. It is. I guess the only thing I'll add that, again, is not directly game-related, but it feels weird that... I mean, I know there are storylines involving Optimus Maximus, but it's not... If I ask somebody, a Transformers fan, random Transformers fan, give me a combiner, they're going to say Devastator, and then they might say some of the other ones, depending on you know how into Transformers it is. I, I doubt there are very many people out there that are going to say Optimus Maximus within their first three to five combiners. Oh, yeah, yeah, I agree. So it, it's, especially because none of these characters, like, yes, they were combiners in the stories, but it's still, like, okay. I don't know, it feels yep. weird that this, I guess because it involves Optimus, it had to be a, at least a decent one, you know what I mean? But it feels weird mm-hmm. that if the if this guy turns out to be really strong, that he is the premier combiner um, over some of the other ones that have more history, but... <laughs> all three I think of it's them. a cool. I think I think it's a cool game ability. Is what I like about it. Yeah, yeah. I, I like gaining incremental advantage. So yeah, I think that's going to be a, a fun actual gameplay. I don't want to call it a mechanic, but actual play pattern is what I'm looking for. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I could certainly see where it's going to be frustrating on the other side. Those sort of game plans don't always sit well with people, but <laughs> we'll we'll see how that one goes. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Shout out to Chad. I I don't know if the triple cargo trailer dream is really going to happen with this guy. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I agree with you, Brian. I I it would have been cool to have sideswipe involved, but say la vie. Um, any other thoughts on Sentinels before we move on to the exciting recent reveals that made me redo the overlay for the umpteenth time today? <laughs> No, I guess I guess the Sentinel utility has a little more use, but I don't even know if I would play it in the deck just because you don't think you're going to play it again, in the incremental one. Maybe like I I don't see I guess I don't see any other utility I would like to play over it, so I guess I would probably just play a couple of them. But I don't. Again, I guess it's fine. Like well, because it gets you're, you you're getting something for nothing. I guess right. Is sort of yeah. So you're getting the plus one. It's in the utility slot. I'm the scenario I was thinking is if you start with Hot Rod dead, well it's an extra hot rod flip. You know, it, it, every it, turn, right? It, every time you attack, right? Uh, it's whenever the upgraded character attacks, you can flip a sentinel from bot to alt. So you can get him back to reset him again, which, I mean, yeah, it's still pretty slow, but it's saving you one flip, like one transform effect, I guess. I mean, is that, I mean, I don't know what other utility I'd run over it, but like, is that worth the utility slot to like get a damage every round? Like, set a series of attacks and getting plus one attack like that's not very good in my opinion yeah it kind of goes back to our earlier discussions where what is a zap worth <laughs> kind of thing um yeah and obviously once you combine it has no value so <laughs> good luck brian uh, if you get that triple cargo trailer <laughs> thing definitely get it on camera i want to see it <laughs> i'm sure somebody law of averages somebody will do it like it's gonna happen but <laughs> um sure any other uh, stuff for Sentinels, Scott? No. Okay, cool. Nope. All right, so we're gonna. So I wasn't exaggerating. I was re- finally had the overlay ready to go, and then all of a sudden, blam! We got a way more. Uh, <laughs> we got way more reveals 
which I'm not complaining about. It's just I had redone this overlay like 10 times. So we're up to the aerial bot. So the first one we got is Air Raid, who's blank and alt. But when he damages an enemy, you can pop an upgrade. So you get a ramming speed. That guy. It has to be the one he damages. Zero defense. I, okay. Like it, I, I, I thought he was better than he was then upon rethinking. Like, again, most targets you're going to, you're going to want to hit is the armor. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's a chance he's not even going to damage the guy. There's, you've already dealt with the armor already. So, like, but I mean, there are definitely situations like if, if you give this guy energon or you gave him, or honestly, if there was a, like, well, never mind, there can't be a matrix in play. Um, and you were on, like, a wheel turn. There could be a matrix of play if it wasn't the all aerial bot team because they don't have a leader. Mm-hmm. Um, then, like, all you like all you really need to do is pierce one with this guy. So that's that, I guess, that's where Energon Act comes into play or, like, the um, the Bravo laser or something like that if it's a Decepticon or something like that. Yeah. Um, and then he can just destroy the armor for the other people that can attack him. So, I don't think he's irrelevant. Um, I just don't know how... I don't think he's going to see play outside of the team because... yeah. Again, you mostly want to destroy armor, and I mean, he's going to gain you a little bit of an advantage, like because you're not wasting a card out of hand to do it, and he has zero defense in both modes anyway. So, what do you care? Well, you um, you technically don't have to burn a card out of hand. Like, you're not playing right. a ramming speed, but you do have to invest a card on a zero defense guy to be. So, you're you're spending a card in five stars to ramming speed something. And soaking an attack because they have to attack them back. So. Right. So, and that is not irrelevant. Like that obviously does matter. But I, with zero defense, I don't know. Out, I'm I'm thinking outside the team. Within the team, it changes the dynamic a little bit. But I don't know if I. It's kind of like we were saying earlier. If I have five stars, I'm probably putting Flame War in there. Like to me, he's the third most playable guy outside the team. So once you're at that point, you're at 15 stars and you only have 10 left over. Like I don't know if that's going to be the case. I'm going to run three aerial bots and some random 10 star. Right. So like assuming you're not doing that, I don't think like you, your first 10 stars are not going to go to this guy. So yeah, that's why I just don't know how much play he's going to see. Yeah, I mean they it's not an irrelevant ability like you said, and there are ways to activate it. So it's there is the potential. He and obviously chat saying this too is that. He's a cheap plane, so now it it makes the math on that more interesting to see whether you because there's get not to... there's not three other ones that are cheap. Well, we haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> Technically, right. they don't exist yet. <laughs> right, that's um, the point. Like he's the third choice. So. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so the next one is the I don't want to say the replacement guy, but Alpha Bravo. Uh, so he's at our first helicopter. Which somebody else on Facebook had said that the way the Card names are breaking down. The Combaticons are not an option for the future reveals. I'm hoping they're wrong, but we'll see. Um, he is one of the anti-tribe cards. So in his alt mode, he hates on planes. So he pokes planes whenever they attack, opposing planes. And he has Pierce 3, but only 2 attack in bot mode. But he is a specialist. So he he's kind of a weird hodgepodge of abilities. No comment until we see helicopter cards. Yes. Well, they outside <laughs> the team. Outside the team. Right. I'm curious. So we're getting so many tribal cards, and obviously there's a lot of things that are going to impact combiners in general. I'm very interested to see if there's room in the set for helicopter cards. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. 
Because they they packed it with so many different mechanics and so many different ideas that if they manage to squeeze in a couple helicopter cards, great. But I would not be surprised to learn that we got to wait another wave, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, outside the team, I see no use for them. Totally that. Right now, yeah. And I don't anticipate at this stage that planes are going to be running amok. I mean, yes, there will be plane decks, but I don't know if you really want or need the zap. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see how that shapes up. Yep. Um, one other quick call out since you got those guys in chat. Hand foot gun in the artwork. And we got that on some of the other ones, which is kind of funny. Um, the next one is Fireflight. So he's plane range, no weird things like helicopter right now. Uh, right. He's He is the brave team member, which gives him value hypothetically outside the team. And similar to the one that we saw on the Predacons, he has a decent defense at two, only seven health, but maybe that's enough. Um, his bot mode is the one where if you have four more damage, he has plus one attack and it's okay. He goes up to three. I mean, m maybe that's fine, but I think the brave half is the more important half. He's fine. Not exciting. I, I don't think you'll see play outside the team. You don't think it, even with the brave, you don't think it's going to make a difference. No, because now that we have cards that give give characters brave and stealth, I don't think the ones the ones we've seen so far that have it built in are built are there because the they're part of the combiner it. teams. They, yeah. they keep the more relevant characters alive to do what they need to do to do anything, and mm -hmm. I don't see how they need to see play outside of this. Like I, I don't know. I think I'd almost rather lower defense and higher uh, um, armor like headstrong does. So I think that's reasonable, but not sure. Yeah, his, I mean, his, his one attack is so abysmal. It's, it's ridiculous, obviously. The unfortunate thing, uh, the first, well, maybe not the first thing, but one of the first things that went through my head is that you can't one shell stand him to activate his bot mode because it requires four or more. Fair. Um, yep. But even if it, the second thought after that was, even if I did, okay, he has three attack, well, woohoo. <laughs> like, right. Who cares? <laughs> um, yeah, not very exciting. Yeah. Not, nothing to write home about. So following that up, and there is Silver Bolt, which somebody uh, offline had called out accurately. It would have been really funny if this is the guy that had Brave, uh, just because of yes. his, his character. Um, if anybody's curious, go check out TF Wiki, look up Silver Bolt. Um, we'll leave it at that. So he has Bold 1, and also similar to the Optimus we talked about earlier, when he attacks and you flip at least a white pip, an orange pip, and a blue pip, you can flip him to bot mode. So it makes the combination sequence assuming you trigger it a little bit easier uh but when you flip to bot mode you get to zap somebody so it's hot rod but he doesn't need to be dead to do it yeah so he's really good yeah i'm really excited about this guy because <laughs> that again free direct damage that just starts in play seems it seems okay for five stars yeah um i don't i don't know how I guess you can have a situation where you have enough characters in play where he can actually flip the bot mode, flip back to alt mode before he attacks or on the turn he attacks. So, like, it, if mm. you're playing with not all guys that need to, to flip to attack, um, mm. it's possible that you would you, you can get more than one damage off him. And then, because you clearly want to attack in the other mode regardless because of the bold one. Mm -hmm. And then if you get if you get the three colors to get another damage out of it, it's going to be just. Okay, cool. Right. Um, so assuming you can do that, like I would probably attack in the alt mode. Um, 
but otherwise, I mean, you you just want to flip him to Bamon as often as possible. So, um, mm-hmm. what I like about this is similar to Jetfire, like he makes uh, really good use at a rollout because you, yeah. you probably want to attack in the in the alt mode. Absolutely, I think. Um, I, oh, god, sorry. So that's what I like about him. I could see him uh, having a home alongside Slipstream because they both want to have that sort of mixed pip set up so that that way you could hypothetically get those multiple flips that you're talking about. Um, yeah. I don't know if that'll quite work out because that's 13 stars there and then it makes it kind of awkward. I'd have to put a lot more thought into it than I have already since, again, I was struggling with the overlay because these got dropped on us a couple hours ago. Uh, yep. I don't know. I see where you're going with it, with wanting to attack because of the bold. And you know the numbers much more readily than I do. But if he's, I get, what's the best way to phrase this? So in order to take advantage of the bold, you want to be orange heavy. He's super fragile. And hypothetically, you're going to want to trigger the ability. I don't know how much the bold is actually going to, do for you then i guess i mean it's going to come down to the numbers of whether it's really getting you either the flip to guarantee the damage or an orange to guarantee the extra attack um often enough for it to matter i just don't know how much the three over the two is going to be relevant though either so like that's also part of the point i'd rather i'd rather go for the free direct damage miss often because i think it was one less combat damage than Mm. I don't know. Like, I think it depends on how the deck is built, but I think if you have the ability to even, like, under 50, even small, I'm not talking, like, 5%, but, like, decent percentage to actually get the ability off is going to be more worth it to get the extra direct damage versus the extra combat damage. Yeah, it's entirely possible that even against things that aren't necessarily defensive in nature, that a three attack still does nothing, <laughs> depending on who you right. attack and how the combat... So I'd rather, I'd rather have... A- but the but the one direct damage. Yes. The way I look at it during combat is one plus their armor. Makes sense. So it's more relevant. Yeah. I think you're so. absolutely right. Uh so after Silver Bolt, we followed up with Skydive, who is also a good a, one. Yeah, he's also a specialist, <laughs> um, because we've been calling that out. He also has a hand foot gun, which <laughs> I'd love that they snuck that into the art, or at least it looks like one. Uh he has tough two in alt mode, three eight one. He's a three eight two in bot mode. And when he attacks, he heals your aerial bots, or rather repair one from one of your aerial bots. I was about to say he heals everybody, uh, but that's not the case. So this is the one that has you real excited, Scott? Uh, Tough 2 on a specialist, really good. Yeah. (laughs) Tough 2 in general is, is really good, but the specialist, or I guess whichever one you value more, the fact that they're together should get you very excited. Yeah, so you flip Flame more, and then you have this guy. is tough three immediately. Pretty insane. So, <laughs> so, so what you're saying is direct damage goes up in value because uh, <laughs> you got tough running around, running amok? Yeah, but instead of... I mean, what, what the scenario I just like 10 stars, unlike like somebody like Darkmount that has you know slightly more hit points, but you know, is, is only one character. So, like, exactly. I just think you get a lot of value. Um, we've seen specialist and tough too. Yeah, we've seen flame wars live a lot, like survive yeah. a lot of damage with just just tough one and ten health. 
tough two or tough three, like you had said, an eight health can stretch hypothetically pretty far. So this guy is, I would expect to see him, maybe not a lot, but I expect to see him in other decks outside of the team. Yeah, I agree. Defensive decks, of course, but yeah. Well, yeah, I'm I'm hoping you're not going to see too many all orange builds with skydive. Although I'm sure somebody yeah. will will try and make it happen. Sure. Do you do you picture a medic build showing up with this guy? With the, you got RC, you got him, you got that Optimus. It's going to happen, right? Oh, he has another mode that doesn't. <laughs> I'll take that as your answer. <laughs> okay. Just checking. Just making sure. Tough two, tough two is not equal to one defense. Let's put it that way. Yes, that is absolutely correct. Uh, before we move on to the combined mode, any other thoughts on the individual parts? I like Silverbolt and this guy a lot. So, yeah, I I'm inclined to agree with you. I mean, I think I might value the Brave guy a little bit higher, but or higher than not higher than those two, but higher than you are based on what you're saying. I don't, although I can definitely understand and see the argument for what you're saying as to why he may not work. Um, it may be one of those things that I'm I just need to see in actual gameplay as to how it's going to work out or whether I can find any useful value to make sure that I guarantee having a brave guy from turn zero sort of thing. Yep. Um, so that with that, let's drop off the aerial bots and we'll bring up the big man Superion himself. So he's a 639-1, bold one, tough two, pierce three, and when he's combined, here's the, the part that probably got you excited, Scott, is you just slam somebody for three damage. Yep, that's good. That's that's pretty good. <laughs> so I had initially, and up to this point, I think I had had mentally ranked Menasaur because I really love the ability to just you know break the rules of the game and say, okay, you get extra actions every turn. This is... I guess the... What sold me more on Superion was this scenario, and there's other ones, obviously, but you combine into Menasur, you play a one-shell stand. You follow it up the next turn with one-shell stand something. Superion instead says, well, effectively, the turn you combine, you got to play a free one-shell stand. So basically the same as Menasur, the turn he combined, and then you can just play a one-shell stand the following turn. Point being is that this guy's pretty crazy. Like he, he's he's the only one that can actually. I mean, without again, there could be weapons that allow you to do this. But as it stands now, he's the only combiner that can actually kill two characters in the same turn. Yep. So, uh, or put a serious hurt on like one guy that's left or something. So, like if you put yourself in a situation where that's the case. So you turn your worst attacker into your best, as usual, which all the combiners do. And then you, if you're able to take a second guy at the same time, you, I, I don't know how you lose. Yeah. The one so, other thing to you know, call out is his Enigma also is something that you're going to want to recur because it's an armed hovercraft. Yeah. When it, once you're combined. So it's... so. All of them obviously give you some sort of benefit when you play them after you've combined, but this one is most directly helping you win the game as compared to the others where, yes, they're clearly doing something positive to help you advance your game plan, but this one's 
literally killing your opponent's guys. It sounds obvious to, to call that out, but it, it's just the combination of these, the combiner itself as well as the Enigma just play together so well that it's incredible. And what I like is that the deck can play aggressive um, with like orange pips as opposed to what I typically, like you said earlier, like assume it's going to be a blue base deck to have more hit points in combiner mode because you're doing so much damage when it combines so that you don't want your opponent to have you, the ideal situation is your opponent has one guy with three or less hit points left and then one guy that you can take out in that one shot. So, like, you want to be playing an aggressive deck for that to happen um, often as Absolutely. possible. So, so, like, I can you can play as a defensive deck and you go the direct damage well because you have a guy that has tough two, you have a guy that has um, brave and things like that. So that's another option. You just have to play more direct damage out of your hand the whole time to keep that going. But assuming... In either one of those, I don't think it's going to be hard to get to that point where you have that situation where they, you have got bow and you're able to, to pull off the kill in one turn. So gotcha. I think he's great. Um, I just think three direct damage is huge. Um, like as an O by the like as what you'd want to be doing at that point. Um, right. Like I've seen it's it's. It, it seems to be the way that you want to play. Like like you said with, with Menasaur, you play the extra ability every single turn, so we're hoping there's combiner-only ability cards that he can make use out of. This is just like, oh, I get three damage, and then I still get to attack for a bunch because I probably have a weapon in play and armor in play, etc. Yep. Um, so yeah, I, I think he's really good. He also, uh, it may seem, I don't want to say irrelevant, but it may seem... You know, why does he have Pierce? He's already big enough. He's already doing direct damage. But against the decks that don't have defense, against whether it's blue pips, it's tough, it's straight up armor, whatever, you have burn and you're large enough that you can just punch them to death. Against the decks yeah. that do have it, the Pierce is going to be relevant because, well, you combine and maybe you're running Energon Axes or you're running whatever to just give him enough to be able to puncture armor and continue getting there you don't have to have you know pierce 12 and 12 damage every time of course you would be happy with that but sometimes if you just you're piercing five to six each time every turn that's enough to to get there so it's not an irrelevant thing for that to be existing on this guy right I so, guess, and, and oh god, you you can play the bigger they are with all the pieces before they combine. Also, so absolutely. Um, the <laughs> the unfortunate part for this team, I guess, is their team centric card aerial bot formation, which we called out earlier. So it's put only on aerial bots. The upgraded character gets plus one attack for each of your other tapped aerial bots, which is great until they combine, and then it's why why am I having this card? <laughs> uh, which is great. For only the fourth and fifth guys that attack, <laughs> yeah. where it becomes relevant, like right. it's not even a primary laser, like right away, like it, this is bad. Yeah, it's. I mean, I can see your fifth guy. Okay, well he gets plus four attack. Great, assuming they didn't die, which is maybe a little bit much to be asking, given the low defenses and low hit point totals on a lot of these guys. So it's not I even don't guaranteed. understand why this said other. Like I don't see what the big deal would have been if it would have one guy would have maybe gotten plus five. Like I don't understand what the big deal was. Yeah, I'm to, not. I mean, I guess it's 
literally so that when you play it, it doesn't do anything on Superion. Because if you if it read that way, he's an aerial bot, so he could play it on himself. But he would get a whole plus one attack by himself. Well, yeah, that's I. I'm not disagreeing <laughs> with you, but I guess that's the reason. <laughs> um, again, I I don't know. That doesn't make any sense to me either. But it is what it is. So we get, we're we're stuck with aerial bot formation as it's written. It's like, I don't know. Why, do you, why is this so, like if utility? It'd be fine. The fact that it's a weapon is just this is just bad. Like, yeah. Do you <laughs> do you expect that there is a? <laughs> I, I don't even. I I'm struggling to imagine a pseudo cars build where somehow you untap the planes. It, I don't know that. I don't see any way where the as compared to the Optimus team, where you can build that incremental advantage. You grind your opponent out, and then you go, okay, I combine. You're pretty happy. Like, you would be excited to combine earlier with this guy, I think, as opposed to trying to get value out of aerial bot formation and avoiding the combination. Like, I'm, I'm struggling uh, to know, find a scenario where I want it. I don't think the guys are good enough on their own within the confines of the team to want to keep them around other than solo roles. Um, and you're gaining, like, three turns out of Silver Bolt by combining. So, like, that's more of the issue. Um, uh, the tough 2-1 is the one that you want to see play in other decks. So, like, you'll get, he'll, he'll do his own thing anyway. But the other one, you're just basically gaining the five the, the advantage of having a five-wide team by having them all in play. And I just... The idea is just you want to be able to take out one or, at best, two guys and then have you know, the superior on be one on two or one on one with the remaining guy and have the three extra damage when he comes into play. Um, right. That's where you want to be. Uh, so like, I don't know that I'm going to play like rabbit conversions and things like that in order to get him like, you know, get him right yeah, away. Yeah. But I mean, you want to put yourself in that situation. Like, I don't care how much damage he, he can have one hit point left for all I care when you combine, because I feel like, you have the potential you can, two for one to kill you. you have a, yeah, you, you should easily be able to kill right away. So if it's the last guy left, you'll be fine with. It. So that's where I feel like the deck can lean more heavily on the orange side. I think you just don't take advantage of your them as individual characters unless you play them with blue because one guy has tough two and one guy has brave and Silverbolt likes to do his ability more than one. I think it's if you look at the guys individually, they're better as a blue. But I think it may be better as an overall like deck archetype to want to kill as many guys as possible so that when you combine, you just take out the last guy. So time will tell. Yeah, it's something that definitely could go in either direction at this stage because we still have a whole lot of set left that could influence the decision as well, obviously. so And it's still a an open question on combiners in general as to, Yes, they have these splashy effects. Yes, they're gigantic, but how reasonable is it to really get there? In our interview with Drew, which we had spoken about earlier, it does sound as though they really did try, and obviously there's going to be a disparity in power level between any given two combiners, but it does sound as that they did have the intent that these guys are going to be playable. It's not, well, this mechanic, is these guys are bad. Some of them are going to be playable, so I'm excited to see which ones it turns out to be. I have have a feeling this guy is going to be one of the good ones. Yeah, I agree. 
So that actually, after two hours and 15 minutes, we have completed all of the spoilers and all of our news. So Over the last um, two weeks. Yeah. yeah uh, <laughs> we still got a lot of set left. We're going to be... Uh, well, we have a lot of stuff coming down the pipe. We'll put it that way. So uh, definitely check out VectorSigma.info, all of the the um, YouTube pages and everything. Scott, you're, you're posting links directly to the new YouTube channel on the main website, correct? So the videos are both available on the page on the website as well as the YouTube page, youtube.com slash VectorSigmaInfo with no dot. Um, so just one word, Vector Sigma Info. Um, and when I post on Facebook, I give a link directly to the videos, to the, the video content page. So feel free to watch it on either one, whatever's best for your browser or whatever. Awesome. Uh, anything else you want to either spoil or tease or anything like that? Where can people find you? All that fun stuff. Um, I try to post every morning what our content is by like, 8 a.m. if possible, so always be looking there. Um, I mean, our goal, like I said, our goal is to have content out there five times a week. So um, just look for that as best as possible, like 8 o'clock every morning and have them ready to go. Um, it's it's slanting two to three videos a week and then two to three articles a week, the opposite. So just keep an eye out for that. Awesome. Yeah, we're definitely going to be obviously ramping things up as we get closer and closer to Wave 2 release and afterwards because there's a whole lot of really exciting ideas. I'm constantly geeking out offline about all the, the things that are on there and even as we're recording, calling out the fact that there are hand foot guns in the artwork and stuff like that. Uh, this is really an, an exciting time for the game as a whole because of all the things that are coming out and a lot of the ideas that we talked about in our interview with Drew and John. There's they mentioned a lot of things that naturally they're not giving us official concrete answers. This is how it's going to be, and this is when it's going to happen, and then these are the people involved. But the information that they were able to provide us has me really excited, and anybody out there who hasn't had a chance to listen to it, I suggest you do. Again, you can check it out on VectorSigma.info. There's some really cool stuff in there. So I guess that's enough words from me. I've been up for... Uh, way too long at this stage i'm tired um, <laughs> so uh scott for uh for you uh i guess that like you said you covered everything you wanted to unless there was anything else last second nope we're good cool well everybody out there i appreciate everyone in chat that was being so lively thank you for listening thank you for watching and tune in next time for more randoms thoughts